with the subject of joy, finding joy. Paul is in prison. Paul is in chains. He's not in a very, really, joyous atmosphere uh, from the outside influence, but he still has joy. He still has uh, what we're going to learn about tonight, the word contentment, being content. Now, how many of y'all, uh, <laughs> y'all uh, wishes we was on a different subject? Say amen. I, I, I was talking to somebody before the service tonight, and, and he says, what, what about tonight? I said, oh, God, help me live this. Amen. Help me. Help me learn this. Help me learn this. There's probably going to be more oh me's than they are amens, but it, 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 it's all good. We can, we can learn to be content. Boy, if we could just do that, it would, it would save a whole lot of heartache, a whole lot of issues, and, and save a whole lot of worrying. Say amen right there. If you need a lesson, if you need a lesson, raise your hand. I think they've got some folks running around real quick. Uh, if, you, if you need a lesson, hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry, guys. Ain't nobody running around. What in the world? All right. Griggs has got some over there. All right. Raise your hand real high. He's kind of short. He can't see you. Come on now. Raise your hand real high. There we go. Over here in the front. Any up top? Y'all got extras up there? I can't see. Okay. All right. All right. Everybody with some right here in the middle. There we go. There we go. I thought I seen a hand on the far end. Was there another hand back that way? Is everybody good? All right, there we go, guys. Great, great, great. Now, before we start, I need to show you a picture. Uh, I need to show you a picture because I was going to do this at the end, but we're running out of time usually at the end, so let's do this now before I forget, all right? Now, here is the parking lot. Can we all give God praise and glory for the concrete around the parking lot? Yes, amen, amen, amen. Now, can you see the blue area? If you see the blue area, say amen. All right, the blue area is the new handicap parking. It's the new handicap parking. There will be no handicap parking in the front, okay? Uh, and the reason why is we have no flat area in the front. And we've had handicap parking illegally uh, for 10 years now, <laughs> amen? Uh, so we're not allowed to have handicap parking on that slope in the front, so we had to move it to the back where it's flat. And so all the handicap parking will be in the back uh, in the blue area there, so if you need that, and, and, and make sure you can get that, uh, it would be easier. You can come down. In order to get back there, you can turn down the main entrance and come all the way down to the bottom parking lot and go around, or you can go uh, past the, the, the... Yes, past the church. Come back around and come in the back parking lot, or if you're coming from West Point, you'll just turn in the back parking lot and come in there. It's going to look a little different. It's going to be a little weird at first, but we'll all get it figured out. Now, the red parking is for our seniors. These are seniors who do not need handicap parking, but there are seniors, and we're going to respect them, and all God's people say it. All of our seniors there, all right? Then, in the fuchsia, really? In the, f <laughs> in the fuchsia area... It's for our first-time attenders, for all those that we want to go to church here that's never been here before. We want to let them know they are special, they are important, and we want them to have some great parking. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is that. In the back, handicapped. In the very front, our elders, our, our, our seniors. And then in the fuchsia area, we'll have our first-time attenders. Now, if that makes sense to everybody, say amen. amen. If you know it's going to take a month to, for everybody to get that, say amen. 
so just, just make sure and remind, and, and, and we'll get through the aggravation. I'm just glad we're going to have a lot of concrete to park on. Amen. And one day, in just a little while, we'll be able to park on that, that whole bottom part there too. Now, let's jump right into our study. Uh, Philippians chapter number 4, we'll begin in verse number 10. Uh, we have talked about worry for the last two or three weeks. Uh, uh, we talked about how important our praise is. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our praise is so important when it comes to the battle of worry. We need to learn to praise God. And when we're in, when we're out, when we're up, when we're down, doesn't matter. We need to give God praise. Rejoice in the Lord. If we're in the fiery furnace, if we're in the den of lions, if we're in the valley with a giant, doesn't matter. Give Him praise and give Him honor and give Him glory because when we praise Him, when we praise Him, He manifests Himself in our life. Now you say, what does that mean? I had a question asked me this week. Great question, by the way. Great question. Uh, if You know, we say that God inhabits the praise. He shows up when He is praised. Uh, but, but I thought that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So, so either He lives in us or He shows up when we praise. What's the difference? I said, Here's a, that's a great, great question. Here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes God will be here but he won't manifest himself. In other words, in other words, come up here, Doc. Will you help me just a minute? I promise you don't have to do nothing but stand there and look pretty. <laughs> there you go. Come on up here. All right. Have, have a seat right here. Have a seat right here. All right. Uh, uh, my brother can be here through the whole service, through the entire service, and, and, and never say a word. He's here. He's present, right? He's here and he's present. But then at some point in the service, I may give him the signal and he may stand up and either quote a verse or, 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 or give a message or sing a song. What is he doing? He's manifesting his presence. He's making himself known. If that, does that make sense? And what, it, what, what we are saying is God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. The psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I go to the, 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 the heights of the mountains, thou art there. If I go down in the valley, thou art there. There ain't nowhere he ain't. Are you all with me? But when we praise him, he shows up. He shows out. He manifests himself. You see, and, and, and listen, you see his hand, you see his provision, you see his power. If that makes sense to everybody, say amen. Thank you, Doc. Great job. All right. Now, we praise Him. Then it says that we need to practice right praying. Uh, praying, uh, it infects our, our, our worry, the battle with worry. We've got to learn to ask. You have not because you... You have not, okay? Make your request be made known unto God. Then we talked about our thinking. Our thinking, controlling our thinking. Not letting our thoughts control us, but control our thoughts and, and that we, we've done discuss all that. Now, then we talked about practice, our behavior, our lifestyle. The righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Our lifestyle, our daily habits, our behavior will affect whether we worry or not. So, now, we're probably going to deal with tonight probably the most significant factor when it comes to worry. I don't want to say it's the number one, but it's right near the top. And when it comes to dealing with worry, is the, the subject of contentment. Learning how to be content. Because what, what, what do we worry about more than anything? That we're going to miss out on something. Or we're going to lose something. Or we're not going to have enough of something. 
Most of the time, worry is connected with finances. Can we all agree right there? Most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Now, why do we worry about that? Because we're afraid we're not going to have enough. Enough. Now, can you see where contentment can be tied to that issue? Let's look at it. The Bible says in verse number 10, if you're there, say amen. Amen. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now what he's saying here, Epaphroditus, the messenger from Philippi, has come to Rome and given him a love offering, given him a blessing. And, and they, had, they had ministered to Paul before, they had given to Paul, Paul before and provided for him before, but it had been a long time. I think one commentator said it had been 10 years before they, since they had given him an offering because they just didn't have the opportunity to do it. And what he is saying here, he's basically giving thanks for the offering that they gave him. Verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. He said, I'm not grateful, I'm not happy, because I, 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 I was in need, or I was wanting, I was lacking. He says, for I have learned, say that with me, for I have learned. I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be. He says, I know both how to be abased, that means have nothing, be humbled, humiliated, and I know how to abound, that means to be prosperous. So one's poverty and one's prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, I am what? I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can. Say that with me. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. I can. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Isn't it amazing how a verse means more when you put it in context for what the chapter says? When you peel it off a football player's face, it doesn't mean that you can make a touchdown every time you touch the football. Now, we sports players want to use this. I can do all things. We're going to play the Super Bowl. I can do all things. That has nothing to do with what that means. It means you can do what God's called you to do, where God's called you to do it, with what you have that God has given you. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, but because I desire, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now let's all read verse 19, and then I'll pray. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by... And all God's people say it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all of your blessing. God, give us what we stand in need of in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Contentment. Contentment. He goes from talking about worrying, don't worry about nothing, to now he's talking about uh, uh, thanking them, uh, appreciating what they had given him, but then he takes and uses that as another opportunity to teach them something. 
to teach them a spiritual truth about dealing with worry, about dealing and fighting with this, this issue that we have with our faith and our fear. You remember the tangle we have, our faith pulling this way and our fear pulling that way. Uh, the struggle we have most of our life, he says, man, we've got to learn to be content. We have to learn to be content. And this is amazing. This is amazing coming from somebody who's sitting in a prison. It's amazing coming from somebody who's sitting in chains that really doesn't have uh, uh, that much to look forward to per se. And he's telling us, hey, guys, let's be content. Let's learn how to be content. Now, I want to I just share something with you that just stood out to me. I, I didn't put it in the outline itself, but I put it in your notes. Uh, the word contempt means quiet, not disturbed, having a mind at peace, satisfied. So as not to repine, object, or oppose, and it also has the word contained. It has the word contained, and we're going to deal with that a little bit uh, here in the future. Uh, Ted Turner. Ted Turner was dealing with the, uh, 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 the subject of success, and he was, he was speaking in a commencement speech given in May 15, 2000, at Emerson College in Boston. He's a multi-billionaire. Ted Turner, we all know who he is. He says, it's all relative. I sit down and say, I've only got $10 billion, but Bill Gates has $100 billion. I feel like I'm a complete failure in life. So billions won't make you happy if you're worried about someone who's got more than you. Don't let yourself get caught in the trap of measuring your success by how much material success you have. It has nothing to do with it. John Ortenberg, I love this. This is so great. In his book, Dangers, Toils, and Snares, John Ortenberg said this, When we take our children to the shrine of the golden arches, where is that? McDonald's. They always lust for the meal that comes with a cheap little prize. A combination christened uh, in a moment of marketing genius, the Happy Meal. You're not just buying fries, McNuggets, and a dinosaur stamp. You're buying happiness. Happiness. Their advertisement has convinced my children, he says, that they have a little McDonald's-shaped vacuum in their souls. Our hearts are restless till they find their rest in a Happy Meal. He says, I try to buy off the kids sometimes. I tell them to order only the food, and I'll give them a quarter to buy a little toy on their own. But the cry goes up, I want a Happy Meal. All over the restaurant, people crane their neck to look at the tight-fisted, penny-pinching cheapskate of a parent who would deny a child the meal of great joy. The problem with the Happy Meal is that the happy wears off. The happy wears off, and they need a new fix. No child discovers lasting happiness in just one. They never say, remember that happy meal. Remember the great joy we found in our last happy meal. Now, before you, before you get down on the kids, here's the section that's going to get you. Happy meals brings happiness only to McDonald's. <clears throat> you ever wonder why Ronald McDonald wears that grin? 20 billion happy meals, that's why. Now watch, watch this, watch this. When you get older... You don't get any smarter. Your Happy Meals just get more expensive. And all God's people say it. No, oh me. Say it with me. Is that not true? 
Listen, how many of you have bought something to be happy and were temporarily happy and, and, and it wore off? A new car never keeps the new car smell. Have you noticed that? Uh, a simple living Quaker who was watching his new neighbor move in with all the furnishings and expensive toys that successful people collect. The Quaker finally went over to his new neighbor and said, Neighbor, if ever thou dost need anything, come to see me, and I will tell thee how to get along without it. <laughs> Henry, Henry David Thoreau, the naturalist of the 1800s, he reminded us that a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. You know what? Your, your, your wealth is determined by what you don't need or want. Are y'all with me? It's kind of like, like the old boy that was sitting on the fishing, uh, on, on the creek bank, and, and, and he was sitting there, and he's kicked back, had his hat over his head, and he had a piece of straw out of his mouth, and a businessman walked by and, and said, Have you catching anything? And he held up a big old stringer full. He said, My goodness. He said, Won't you put out two poles? He said, Why would I want to do that? He says, because you could catch twice as many fish. He said, why would I want to do that? He said, because you could sell them and buy a boat. He said, why would I want to do that? He says, because then you could catch three or four times the amount of fish. He said, why would I want to do that? He said, then you could sell them and buy a whole fleet of boats. He said, why would I want to do that? He said, then you can do whatever you want to do. He said, that's what I'm doing. Does anybody want to just go ahead and give the invitation right now and go home? <laughs> Besides your preacher. My goodness. A financial advisor named Ron Blue visited a rural village in Africa. <clears throat> he asked one of the villagers, what is the biggest problem in your village? He fully expected to hear about a, fo a food shortage or lack of medical supplies. He was not prepared for the response he received. The man said, materialism. He said, what? He says, well, if a man had a mud hut, he wants one made of stone. If he has a thatch roof, he wants a tin roof. If he has one acre, he wants two. You see, it's universal. It's universal. This issue, this, this problem we struggle with, this, this issue we deal with, Something stood out to me when I was reading these verses, and, 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 and I didn't put it in the outline, maybe I should have, but it's, it's there in the front, uh, just the, the little notes in the front. But Paul said this phrase. He said, I have learned. Say that with me. I have learned. Say it again. And you know what? It seemed like the Holy Spirit spoke to me right at that moment. When I read that and I saw that, this is what, this is what I believe the Holy Spirit was saying contentment is not natural contentment is not natural you are not born with contentment the moment that you get saved the moment that you get saved there's a lot of stuff that happens the moment you get saved man the holy spirit comes in 
The Holy Spirit comes and fills us as believers. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff, and there's a lot of things that happen. God changes some of our desires. God changes some of our appetites. God changes a whole lot of stuff about us. But there's one thing that I don't think changes automatically, and that's this right here. I don't think all of a sudden we're just content with everything and we're just happy with everything and it doesn't matter. This is a struggle. Paul says, this is something I had to learn. This was not something that come natural. This was not something that was easy for me. This was something that I had to learn. And if we don't learn it, if we don't get this, I think we'll battle worry for the rest of our lives. But I think if this is something, I don't want to say the word master, but I, I, think, I think Paul, if he's in prison telling us to rejoice in the Lord and telling us not to worry about stuff and telling us to be content, I think he mastered it. And I think we can too, or he wouldn't be teaching us this stuff. Now, why is this important? The problem with contentment is this. It's, it's, it's universal. It's, it's not natural. And it causes problems. It causes problems. Do you know what the Bible says in the book of James? Look in your notes. Look in your notes on the first page. Look what the Bible says when we're not content. This is what happens. James 4, 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust. That means desire. You crave. You want. You have an appetite that cannot be filled. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. He said you're not content. Wars, all the wars that's ever been fought came from this issue. He said, oh, but there's religious wars. No, people use religion as an excuse to conquer something else, and to take what they have. All fightings, all wars, everything comes from this issue. We want something that somebody else has, and we will come up with a reason, we will come up with an excuse why we need to do this and take what they have. And you know what he's saying? They're not content. They're not content. Not naturally. Not naturally. Now look, we'll look at the next verse, Proverbs 27, 20. <clears throat> Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never never satisfied. Never. Watch this. Ecclesiastes 2.10. Now this is, y'all, I've spoke about Ecclesiastes several times, and you know Solomon goes on a journey, and, and he's the wisest man ever to live. He was smarter than anybody on the planet before or after him. He was probably richer than anybody on the planet before or after him. He probably had more power than anybody on the planet before or after him. Nobody could say no to him. Nothing was withheld of him. If this world had it to offer, God allowed him to taste it. And God allowed him to get it. God allowed him to have it. And he said, I'm going to go on a journey and I'm going to find satisfaction. I'm going to find fulfillment. I'm going to find contentment. He says in Ecclesiastes 2.10, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. 
I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, it was all vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. If you go read Ecclesiastes, you'll see that he built houses. He planted vineyards. He had women, wine, and song. He had people entertaining him. Every single thing that man is killing each other to get and to have and to hoard up here on this earth. Every single thing that this materialistic world is telling you, you have to have to have happiness. You have to have to be satisfied. You have to have to have joy. He said, I experienced it all and it left me empty. Empty. I had it all. I was empty. I was not satisfied. And basically what he's saying, I never was able to be content. Now what's the point? I think the main point that we can take from this is that stuff will not bring contentment. You, 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 you single people and married people <clears throat> just looking at other people, they're not going to satisfy you. So how do you know that? Solomon had a bunch of women. <laughs> 700 wives and 300 concubines. A thousand women. And he was supposed to be wise. Well, he did right. It's better to dwell on a housetop than in a wide house with a brawling woman. Amen. He did get that right. People are not going to satisfy you. Human relationships are not going to satisfy you. Paul says, Paul says, listen, these things that, that we see, and I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm, I, hope you, I hope you understand, I'm not preaching at you. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching with us. Because I need this as much as anybody. I like stuff like anybody. I do. I like bass boats and four-wheelers and coon dogs and, and golf clubs. and I like it all. Every time they come out with a new set of golf clubs, I just got to have it. And before you say anything, I don't get it, but I have to have it. Amen? There's a big difference. Am I, am I preaching anybody or y'all just going to act sanctimonious on me? I had, a, I had a friend of mine, he had a, a 67, uh, no, it was a 69. Uh, where's Alan at? I can't see. Is he up the top? Hey, which, which, which Camaro has the, that looks like gills on the side? Is that the 69? Which one is it? 69? Okay. It was one of them. Hey, man, I believe it was 69. It was teal green, unbelievable, immaculate. It was unbelievable. Dad, am I telling the truth? Ronnie, Ronnie Ham, Crazy. And he started tinkering with it just to make it just a little bit and, and got it to a certain speed he was looking for. And then, and then, man, if I just put just a little more and get it just a little bit 
And then if I go to that next step, I'm going to have to put a roll cage in here. A roll cage. Because <laughs> I just want to be a little bit. And it kept on and on and on and on until it was really a full-fledged race car. And, and, and it, was, it was still an awesome car, but it wasn't that slick, sure enough, street car that was, you know why? We always want just a little, little more. A very, I, I, I'm thinking Ted Turner was the same one that was asked, how much is enough? And this is what he said, just a little A little more. Was it Rockefeller? I knew, I, I'd read one of them. I couldn't remember which one it was. How much is enough? Just a little? Just a little more. And Paul says this. Contentment is so important. He says this, and, and he's, he's speaking to Timothy. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Now watch. Here's, here's what I want to do. Where are we going to find this contentment? Obviously, through everything we just said, it's not going to be found in stuff. As much as we like stuff. And by the way, guys, let me say this. Let me say this. There's a fine line right here. There's a fine line right here. Uh, when I say this, you need, to, you need to learn to be content. I think every person, no matter who you are, saved or lost, it doesn't matter who you are, I think we should all have a drive on the inside of us to want to be the best we can be. I think we should have a drive in us to want to uh, succeed, to want to better ourselves. Are y'all with me there? Listen, even Solomon said, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. In other words, don't do it half-hearted. Don't do it halfway. Do it with everything you've got. Man, I can't stand being a coach and seeing somebody just halfway trying out there. Say amen. If you're going to do it, do it. If you're not, sit down. Right? So there has to be a certain amount of dissatisfaction. I know you say, oh, you're contradicting yourself. No, there has to be that. We, we, we need to strive to be better. We need to strive to be more for God. Paul said, listen, he said, I am striving. I am reaching toward the goal, forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the mark. Are y'all with me there? So there's, we should all have that. And I was sitting there once and said, Lord, how can I distinguish the difference between pressing and striving and having a desire to be better and then being content with where you are. Because Paul said, I've learned whatsoever state I'm in, and the word state there means condition, therewith to be content. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was kind of just saying this. When you come to a point in your life that you lose your joy because of something you don't have, Something's wrong. That is when we have a contentment problem. You can, you can be striving and want to be better and still have joy. But when your joy is taken, when you can't find joy in your relationships, when you can't find joy in, in your possessions, when you can't find joy in your career, whatever it might be, we may need to step back and say, okay, God, what am, what am I doing, or what am I doing wrong? What, where, where do I need to be content? Contentment brings joy. Are y'all with me? Now, here's what, here's what I want you to do. Write this down. Number one, where are we going to find contentment? 
Where are we going to find contentment? What's going to help us with this issue of contentment? How are we going to get better at this? All right, first, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. We find contentment through a learning process. We find contentment through a learning process. Now, let's look at the Bible. Look what he says in verse 11 and 12. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have, come on everybody, I have learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to be abound, or to abound. Everywhere in all things I am, say it with me, I am. Okay, you have the word learned, you have the word know, which means knowledge, to gain knowledge, uh, and then instructed. All of these are educational terms. And you know what God is saying here? Contentment is a learned process. It is a learned process. Paul is saying, I didn't have this initially. I didn't have this automatically. I didn't get it when I was saved. Listen, it didn't come natural to me. I had to learn this. I had to learn to be able to be content. I had to learn to have this in my life and be satisfied with certain issues and areas of my life. This is a learned process. Now, what what do you need to write down underneath this? I want you to see this. A, look at the school that teaches. The school that teaches. Where do you learn this stuff? Where do you learn this stuff? Look what it says. He says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in. And in. Okay, so he's saying the places I've been, the experiences I've had, I am instructed. I am instructed. What's he saying? Life experience is the teacher that teaches you how to be content. Now watch this. Watch this. Look at your notes. Look at the verses underneath this. 2 Corinthians 11. Now I, 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 I took some verses out of this, and I would encourage you to go home and read them again, but I took some verses out of this so I could fit it on two pages so I didn't give you two-page notes. Amen? You have front and back. So I would encourage you to go read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's speaking about all the beatings he received. And how that he was stoned and it was beat with rods and all this stuff that he has gone through. And, and now, watch what he says. He says, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In other words, he was in a dangerous situation everywhere he went. There was never a time that Paul could kick back and just take it easy. Everywhere he went, the devil was after him. Everywhere he went, he was in peril of his life. Even by his own countrymen. Look what he says. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. That would be abased. Paul is saying this. I went through things in my life that taught me that I could make it with nothing. So here you have, here you have the school of life. 
Here you have life experiences. And on one side, you find uh, poverty. On the other side, you find prosperity. And he said, I had to learn how to live in poverty. I had to learn through life experiences. I had to learn through being hungry. I had to learn with going without that God is still God and I can even though it's not, listen, it's not what I would choose or even though it's not my favorite, I can make it without anything. Abased. Poverty. Then on the other side, he said not only that, but I had to learn how to live in prosperity. Now, do you realize most people drop the ball right there? You say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That should be no problem. That should be easy. More people drop the ball there than drop the ball there. Because when you're in poverty, you desperately need God. You're praying all the time. You're praying for the light bill. You're praying for the water bill. You're praying for the food bill. You're praying for everything that comes. Oh, God, don't let him confiscate it. Lord, don't let him take my car. Oh, God, help me. But when we get over here in prosperity, we have a tendency to forget where it came from. We have a tendency to forget God. We have a tendency to forget to pray. Why? Because we don't need God. But Paul is saying this. He said, I had to learn to be content not only in poverty, but also in prosperity. And I know what you're thinking. Well, why in God's name would you have to be content in prosperity? You can buy what you want because you can buy all that you want and still not be happy. I know several wealthy people that spend money like crazy. Spend money like crazy. You know what? They're not happy. You know why? Because unlike Paul, they've not learned to be content in their prosperity. I want to sit down with them and say, listen, quit spending your money on all this stuff. Spend it on missions. Spend it on something that's going to give you something in heaven when you get there. And more than anything, spend it on something that's going to make you feel good. See, most of us in here are poor. So we're over here. Now here's what happens. We get envious of those over there. And, 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 and you know what? Here's the problem. These people over here are no happier than you are. But we don't get that. Because over here, we think, boy, if I could just have a little bit bigger house, if I could just have this, or if I could just have that, and I, you know. Because it's not the stuff. Paul said, I had to learn contentment. So what's the secret? It's learning to be content. How do we do that? Through the school of hard knocks. People ask my dad all the time, where'd you go to school? He said, Palmetto University. <clears throat> I went to the school of experience. I have the scars to prove it. Listen, 
the things you're going through in life, the issues that you're facing in life, maybe, maybe over here, maybe over here, you're over here and you're struggling. You're wondering why, why God is allowing you to struggle like you're struggling and, and, and allowing you to go through the issues that you're going through. It may be that you're in school. It may be that God is trying to teach you something. You see, God took the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He said, get your stuff because you're leaving. And you're going to leave quick. And so here they go. And now they're out in the middle of the desert, nowhere. And then a committee gets together and says, somebody did not plan this trip very well. Whoever planned this trip did not think about water. They did not think about food. They did not think about shelter. Where are we going to get clothes? We're in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you who planned that trip. Jehovah. And God did it on purpose. And God did it the way he did it on purpose. And it was to test his people. You say, why would he want to do that? So they would learn that they did not need Egypt. They did not need those slave masters. They did not need the stuff that Egypt had to offer. That he was God and he could and he would. And the only person that they need, the only thing that they need, was not a provision or a possession. It was a person and that was him. That he was their provider. And I hate to say this. But sometimes we don't pray until we desperately need him. And I hate that. I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. And I, 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 I feel ashamed. And, and as I studied this and worked on this, how many times have I run into an issue or run into a problem or run into a need and I'm going 100 miles an hour trying to figure out my way out of this when God's saying, I sent that to you. I allowed this situation in your life because you're in school and you need to learn it's about me, not you. Maybe you're in school. Maybe your need that you're going through. Maybe your fire that you're going through. Maybe the, the, the lacking that you're going through. The issue that you're going through. Maybe you are in school. You say, what is poverty? It's a teacher. What's it supposed to teach me? That you don't need stuff to be happy. That God will meet your need. I remember one time. <clears throat> I don't think you'll mind me saying this. If you do, just whip me later. Uh, I remember one time when we was, when I say we, I mean my, me and my brother and my sister, we was real little. We was little kids and, and we were planning a vacation. They was. We was just in on it with them. <clears throat> and, and, and plans to do this and that and to go, you know, certain way. My dad was depending on a bonus. You know, just, just hoping this would go through and so forth and so on. And, and, uh, and uh, anyway, we had these big plans. And, man, we was all jacked up and excited. And anyway, to make a long story short, 
it didn't happen. And you got to understand something. For a preacher's kid, uh, I, I, I can't hardly remember ever a vacation that we went on that somebody didn't pass away and we had to come home early or something. It just, some way or another, it always happened that way. So this was a time we were really looking forward to it, really excited, and then and it just didn't happen. Whatever circumstances, that's irrelevant. And I remember, I remember, I remember Dad coming home and Mom being upset and 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 all this. And we were sitting there and and uh, and man, it was disappointing. I mean, it was. I can't tell you how devastating that was. And it was. I think it was more devastating to Mom and Dad than it was to us because you know kids are pretty resilient. You can take them and get them a Happy Meal. <laughs> Amen. We can find Happy. But it just, it just wasn't right. So Dad decided he loaded us up, and we just went on to the other side of the state, over it's like Sarasota over there, on that side, on the Gulf side, and and somehow or another he found like a little uh, uh, efficiency. wasn't a condo, but it was like just a little efficiency that had had a uh, like a kitchen and stuff in there, and it was right there on the water, and had a pool and. That, and and we went and, and bought what groceries we could just because there ain't no way you could eat out and just and anyway we had just enough to do that and uh and I don't even remember how many days we stayed, but do you know <clears throat> that was the best vacation we ever had. I, I can't I can't remember some of the ones I remember leaving early on most of them, but I can't hardly remember I, I can almost remember every detail about that one. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't go to anything fancy. We didn't go to any amusement parks. We didn't have any of that because we didn't have the money to do that. We had the money to pay the rent in the thing and buy the whatever little groceries we could cook, grilled cheese sandwiches or whatever that was. We just didn't have it. And you know what? It was awesome. I don't even know why. I look back at it now, and it should have been boring. <laughs> Let me tell you why. God made it that way. God allowed us to experience something and understand something that, that joy and, and all of this contentment is not going to come from the bonus. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. We're not thinking that at the time. And it's not easy to be spiritual in the moment because you're frustrated and you're angry and you're mad. This didn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. Why didn't this happen the way? And you know all it was? It was a class. We were in school. Had no idea that God was teaching us that contentment and real joy and not worrying was found. Dad, am I exaggerating any of this? Do you? Please tell me you remember. He's still mad about the bonus. I'm just going to leave that right there. Amen. <laughs> Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Now, if we step back from our situation, what we're going through now, and I know, trust me, I understand. I feel you. In the moment and in the heat of it, it does not feel like a school. It feels like a prison. The nation of Israel in the middle of the desert, thirsting like crazy, hungry like crazy. I'm, I'm telling you, they were not spiritual. And we're not always going to be spiritual in the school. But if we can step back and look, you know what? God's doing something here. 
Because God's word is real. And he said he loves me. And he said he would take care of me. So whatever I'm going through, there's a reason for it. Are y'all with me? Listen, this process, this learned process. <gasps> Life experiences are, it, it, it's a school that teaches. But then, B, there's a skill that's learned. This is so good, you're going to love this. There's a skill that's learned. Look what he says. I know. I know. How's he know? Because he went to school, right? I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. He said, I know how to be content over here with a bunch of stuff, and I know how to be content. And by the way, you remember, you remember, having a bunch of stuff doesn't give you contentment. Because there's a lot of people with a lot of stuff that's not content. They're not happy. They don't have any joy. And most of the time, they're worried that somebody else is going to get their stuff. Right? But Paul said this, I can be happy with a bunch of stuff. I can be full. I can abound. I can be in prosperity. I can be content. He said, but I can be over here with nothing. I can be over here on bread and water. I can be over here sitting on the floor of a dank, dark prison and with chains on my feet and chains on my head and be cool. Because this is what the school will teach you. It will teach you how to adapt. What happens when life throws you a curve? You adapt. What happens when life changes? You adapt. You learn how to adapt. Paul said this, and he's really speaking more spiritually and ministerially. He says, I've learned when I'm with the Jews to be Jewish. When I'm with, listen, I've learned no matter who I'm with to adjust to my surroundings, to adjust to who I'm with. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You know what he's saying? I've learned to adapt. You let me tell you what messes people up and throws them off the tracks. They don't learn to adapt and they allow change to destroy them. Because nobody likes change. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. Nobody likes change. Especially in a church. Do you know why we're having worship wars right now? Because you have a younger generation and an older generation fighting over stupid stuff that they shouldn't be fighting over because nobody wants to change. Some wants to change and others don't want to change. We just don't like it. Nah, 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 nah. And nobody will learn to adapt. The younger generation needs to learn to adapt. The older generation needs to learn to adapt. The younger generation needs to understand the older generation has paid the bills all this time and they've got a church here for their benefit and the older generation needs to know we're going to die and they're coming so we better help them. You mean to tell you what will teach us how to adapt? Being hungry. Being without going through the waters, the perils of robbers, going through the wilderness with nothing. That'll teach you how to adapt. How many of y'all in here like to read? Anybody like to read? Raise your hand if you like to read. All right, raise your hand if you don't like to read. Okay, you need to learn. <coughs> you need to adapt. <laughs> let, me, let me help you with something. It'll, it'll, it'll probably be the, you, you'll thank me. Everybody needs to go 
to books a million and buy the book, Who Moved the Cheese? Who moved the cheese? You need to write it down. You need to remember it. You need to remember that at my birthday because you will give me a present. It is one of the greatest books dealing with how do I cope with change. How many of y'all know change is inevitable? If you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, hold on to your phone five months. I got the newest one. Yeah, three days later. It's obsolete. Change is inevitable. And you let me tell you the people that get just whipped by world or, or, or just whipped by culture and whipped by life itself, those that do not learn to adapt. So how do I learn contentment? Just learn to adapt. You know what we did with that with that vacation? We just adapted to what we had. We used what we had, went with it, and you know what, God? God gave the contentment. God let us be happy. God put joy in our soul. Does this make sense? I hope so, because we only got six minutes. Amen. Look here. Let, let's just, here, here, real quick, real quick. Number two, contentment is going to come through a learning process. Contentment is going to come, number, number two, through a living presence. Look what he says in verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You remember when I, I used the word contain? You remember earlier when I used the word contain? Watch this. Look under, under your notes there. We'll write this down. Write this down. Two things it produces. The, the presence of God in your life, Jesus being in you, produces two things. Power and peace. Power and peace. Say, so what do I need power to do? Adapt. Well, he said he can do all things. What things? Abound and be abased. Right? Keep it in context. I know that this verse has been used for 500 million things, but the whole point of this verse was two things. He said, God gives me the power to know how to deal with poverty and to know how to deal with prosperity. He gave me power to adapt. Y'all with me? Is everybody on the same page? Yeah. Now watch, now watch. The word content actually means contained. It is a description of the man whose resources are, they are not on the outside. You see, your contentment is not based on the resources that's at your fingertips. It's not based on your bank account. It's not based on who's sleeping in the bed beside you. It's not based on the job that you have. It's not based on the tangible things that you can touch because the tangible things that you can touch are of this world and they are passing away. But he said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to find my at peace on the inside. Watch this, watch this. It is a description of the man whose resources are within him so that he does not have to depend on substitutes without. The Christian is not self-sufficient in himself. He is sufficient in Christ. Because Christ lives within us, we are adequate for the demands of life. Now, I'm not here trying to preach some new age or teach some new age. We have an inner power that's, you know, there's a glow. No, it's Jesus. 
It's Jesus. It's not the ride at Six Flags. It's not in a chalet in the mountains. It's not whatever the, we was going to do with that bonus. It was Jesus on the inside of us. The resource that we need was within us the whole time. But the problem is, is we're looking for it elsewhere. We're looking for it in houses. We're looking for it in cars. We're looking for it in stuff. We're looking for it in relationships with other people. We're looking for it with what the world has to offer. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. If God gives you the ability to have a house big as this church, rock on, brother, and vacuum it. (laughs) Have at it. That's wonderful. If you are content. If a tornado come by and destroyed it all, and you can still say you are poor to it. I love successful people. I love people that work hard and and they see the fruit of their labor. I'm not against anybody wealthy. That's wonderful. But what bothers me is when that wealth doesn't give them contentment and they're still frustrated and trying to find it and buying stuff. Now listen. Anyway. Are y'all with me? There's a living presence in us. That's where the contentment is going to come from. You have not because you... Lastly, write this down. <clears throat> Listen, contentment's going to come through, number one, through a... Everybody say it, through a... Number two, contentment's going to come through a... All right, number three, contentment... Or number one. <laughs> Is that typo on y'all's too? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, all right. Contentment. Contentment is going to come... Through a lasting provision. Look what he says in verse 19. I love this. You see, the church, the the church at Philippi, they had taken up this love offering. And most likely they were giving out of their poverty. They you know what I found? You know, most a lot of times, a lot anyway, I'm gonna run a rabbit there. They were giving out of their poverty. And so it was probably a sacrifice because he says it. He says it in the verse before that. He said, this is a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor to God. It's kind of like the widow. There was people going in and pouring tons of money in there. And, 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 and Jesus looks at this one widow. She just puts just a little bit. And he says, she put in more than anybody. You know why? She, she put in all she had. You know what Jesus is trying to teach him? It's not what you give. It's what you keep. And they were given sacrificially. But watch, watch the encouragement. Watch the encouragement. He says, but my God. What's the next word? Say it again. Uh, word. Word. Not words. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Do you believe it? He shall. It doesn't matter what the economy's doing. My God shall he's going to he's going to meet your need when you give sacrificially when you do these things and you learn to be content you learn to be happy where you are in the state that god has given and matter of fact i will go as far as to say this if you don't learn to be content where you are god will never take you where you want to be (laughs) 
Zero, zero, zero. I have no more time. Listen, God will give you the power to find contentment on the inside if you will stop running after it on the outside. Church, say amen. All right, I'll give you the words. I see you pointing. All right, through lasting provision, it's backed by his assurance. Verse 19. It's backed by his assurance. He said, it's a promise. My God shall supply all of your need according to, according to his riches and glory. I'm glad my bills are not based on what I got. My needs are going to be met based on what he has. So write this word in there. His abundance. Not my abundance. My needs are going to be met by his abundance. Not my abundance. And all God's people say it. Let's learn this. Now listen, we're not going to get this overnight. We're not going to get this because we heard a lesson on it. I wish that was the case. I wish, all right, now we're all content. Woo no, it don't work that way. Yeah, you're going to think of me. Uh. See, now we know. So you know what we just did tonight? We just registered for school. And I'm going to just leave that right there. Let's, 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 let's do good for the professor, amen? Say, so who's the professor? The Holy Spirit. So I'm nervous. You can. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. And all God's people say it. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for this touch. I pray that you'll bless. Lord, just move in an awesome way. Help us to take this and practice it and apply it and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget about the blue and the red and the fuchsia squares, all right? Keep them in mind. Y'all have a great night. Can I see the other side? Will it be home or just another mountain to climb?